Welcome to my basement, everybody, and uh, Happy New Year, a live Happy New Year. I've posted some videos and have edited Happy New Year into those videos, but truly, to everybody that is joining us for our first Live Vix Basement of 2021, thank you for being here, and a Happy New Year to you. I hope everything is going well in your world. I've got three great friends that have joined me for today. You can see their names on the screen right there. It's Sam Moscovich from Ars Technica, Mike Williams from PC Mag, brand new job from Mike Williams. We'll talk about that in a second. And Bear <laughs> Safi is here from EP. And uh, guys, it's uh, fantastic to be here, for you guys to be here. It's fantastic for me to be here, too. It's fantastic <laughs> for all of us to be here this week, right? We're all hanging in there. Hi, hi yeah. from your neighbors down in the States. Sorry for the noise. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. What a week. We're um, going to try to stay as positive about 2021 as possible. But, man, yeah. I'm just looking forward to talking about games and, and getting ourselves in a different headspace. Because there's a lot to be excited about, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, uh, I, I need that headspace because uh, I actually live outside of D.C. So, oh, my goodness. <laughs> games and escapism, y'all. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Well, some positive changes are happening. I've already taken a look at some. Uh, hold on. I think my seat's too low. One second. There, that's bad. I hate that. Yeah. Okay. Um, I've already taken a look at a bunch of uh, games and movies that are coming out in 2021. But I, I wanted to leave some space, and I couldn't think of three better guys to talk with uh, about dreams oh, okay. that we have for 2021. Because uh, we don't know. I mean, we don't know. We we have some release dates, but everything's been sliding and moving around. These new machines are out now. Um, conceivably, we're going to get more new machines this year, at least one big one. Um, but uh, let's get into this. We're going to talk about 21 games that we are very uh, hopeful are going to uh, come out in 2021. All right, we're going to start with number 21, and it is the uh, the new Fable that uh, Microsoft has teased us with. We don't know anything about it, but we do know that Playground Games is working on this one, and um, this is uh, an incredible company that's been uh, entertaining us with a lot of uh, Forza Horizon silliness, and they clearly have a sense of humor, um, but I think they've, they've also got the pedigree, and they've got the relationships with, um, uh, you know, Lionhead, and the UK community, the UK development community is very tight knit. So I'm sure that this is going to be a game that honors the past. But if the visuals here are any indication, it's going going to be, uh, you know, absolutely spectacular and silly and uh, uh, looking and very silly in tone, which is exactly what we want out of a new fable. So that's why I chose it for my number 21. And the way that we're going to do this is I asked all of these guys to kind of prep uh, a list of five games each. I took the extra one, the sixth one. So that's <laughs> that was my sixth one. Um, it's a good choice, it, though, because because we all want something in that Forza Horizon meets fantasy world way. I think when I play Forza Horizon, I think about adventure. So it yeah. makes sense. It's made sense for a while. And they're a team that can consistently deliver. So I'm not sure that it'll definitely come out this year, but I do believe they'll stick to a schedule and make it yeah, fun I mean, and big. I, I do want to get, you know, in my Audi TT and race across the fantasy landscape <laughs> and make real important choices and characterization. So, no, I'm, I'm a big fan of, of Forza Horizon and everything Playground has done, more so than the Sim side. So I'm very happy to see them sort of branch out to non-racing games and see how that works out for them. Yeah, I mean, honestly, I always think about that with racing studios and sports studios. They have so much talent, clearly, right? And they, a lot of them have to keep making things quickly and iterating quickly. 
Uh, but I would imagine that they get antsy to try some new things. And so I'm excited for Playground to show us what else they got, you know? Yeah, um, and we and should we should celebrate that that they're bringing Fable back, right? We always talk about this huge catalog of games that Microsoft right, has right. from Rare and with Fable. Thankfully, they're bringing back Perfect Dark as well. Mm -hmm. And they just never utilize it. And, and they just because they've never really done a lot of those IPs justice. And here's hoping now they have a talented studio maybe Fable can be coming to forefront again. Remember when you used to get excited for Fable games? Remember when Fable 2 was coming out and all the yeah. hype around that? That died quickly, right? Well, but you know, Fable the Journey will do that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> hey, Fable 3, yeah, was was also... No, great. yeah. Yeah, it wasn't, game, yeah. <laughs> Fable 2 was, was pretty spectacular. But again, you know, Peter Molyneux gets uh, dumped on for over-hyping and over-dreaming and over-scoping and specking his games. And then we get the, the reality and it's... It's good, but it's not maybe as good as we would like it to be. And hopefully Microsoft learns from that and stays a little quieter as they lead up to the next Fable. Right. Yeah, I it's imagine they point. probably will, yes. Uh, I had a light that went out, so I'm, I'm going to fix that. Well, Mike, why don't you tell us about why you are excited about Final Fantasy 16, number 20? Yeah, so the number 20 is Final Fantasy 16, which I'm super excited about because I am a Final Fantasy 14 player, and uh, 16 is is being developed by i do not know exactly which business division at square enix it is they have so many but it is the run run by final fantasy 14 director and producer noki yoshida and um while the trailer probably didn't wow in the way that some final fantasies do in terms of graphics uh the delivery of Final Fantasy XIV Shadowbringers was such a fantastic story. So I absolutely trust that uh, Final Fantasy XVI is going to tell a great story. So I'm, I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, I, I love that you bring up Final Fantasy XVI because, yeah, Final Fantasy XIV was a game that maybe didn't launch the way it everyone wanted it to. But yeah. as I heard over time, I wasn't a player myself. I have close friends who are really heavily into it. They really, you know, made the fans happy and they really delivered. So I'm sure they really learned from their mistakes. And I would not be surprised if this game launches as just a massive success. Yeah. I'm going to wait for Final Fantasy 16 Remake myself. No, I'm kidding. Yeah. <laughs> this is, it's the right move because Final Fantasy 7 Remake is such a specific tentpole of the old. And I feel like 14 is an understanding of how to take that momentum and fan love and also keep people engaged and you have to do that with story with final fantasy it can't just be yeah. grinding for dailies and so that's why i think this is a really good call on their part and i also agree that maybe that kind of team's uh, abilities isn't necessarily presented well with a trailer that looks like anime game of thrones like there's got to be some <laughs> real meat that keeps you hooked to the game and the trailer isn't going to really do that were you guys fans of 15 I am not, nope. not at all. So I was fan of the the world, but I don't like I don't like slow Kingdom Hearts is what uh, I call it. So yeah, like, I mean they did their best to at least work on the game and deliver more content. Like you can't say that they didn't devil your money to entertainment value, even if it wasn't in your bag. And I think they had to because Square Enix has for a while been floundering. Like that game had to be good enough, if not great. And I think they did that, and that also helps me be optimistic about sixteen. Hey, and Seven Remake, I think, brought back a lot of longtime Seven fans. Was made, good. Yeah, they made a bunch of new ones. I mean, it is interesting that Final Fantasy can go up and down, but it also means that there's a way in for every player. You know, like it, it, there's lots of different 
fans of each one of these things, you know? And when we're up to 16 as a numerical qualifier on one of these titles, that's I think that's pretty cool, you know? Like, they're maybe not yeah. consistent, but um, one thing that they are consistent at is uh, making a lot of noise and creating fan fervor in different directions, you know? But, the, I mean, the, the and the benefit of that uh, not being completely different is that if you don't like a thing, like I didn't like 15, yeah. I don't have to worry about 16 being 15 again. Right, because they, like, they whereas, wipe the table and start again. I didn't play something 14. Like a, yeah, like Assassin's Creed, like if you didn't like odyssey right. like you're you're stuck because valhalla is you know this yes. similar thing so like exactly. final fantasy it's like oh let's try something new each time and i like yeah that. and it's good having a, a an ending to something right there's a lot of series that just keep going and going but sometimes having a nice closing to a, to a franchise or to a story is the best thing you could ask for right yep. so i'm totally, totally fan of that. and i will pass the baton on bear you're next aren't you Guys, I'm going to throw a Hail Mary here for number 19, all right? And I'm talking about Beyond Good and Evil 2. What happened to this game? <laughs> it was announced, I believe, at E3 2017. If we want to get specific, E3 2008, or there was an announcement teaser in 2008 that was canceled since then. But 2017, it's been, you know, four years, essentially. And there was a pre-alpha and a cinematic demo in 2018. So there was gameplay made for this thing, but there was a lot of development issues on Ubisoft's end. I think uh, his name was Michel Ansel. He left, he was the creative lead on the project. There was some yep. issues going on with him and he ended up leaving the project. And all I want is some reassurance that this game is still in development, even if we don't get the actual game to release in 2021. Just a little bit of gameplay, a little bit of uh, news from Ubisoft would be nice because I think that this could be a massive new franchise. I think that this could, you know, be Ubisoft's biggest IP. And how do they do it without Michelle, though? I mean, he's the heart and soul of this idea and this concept. I mean, it was it was he wasn't he crying up on stage when listen, they were Vic, talking there, about this? There, there used to be a time where we thought we could have made God of War without David Jaffe. True. Right. True. And we can easily pass the baton. And I, I think that the world and, and I think they've created enough. And there's been enough people who have been inspired by the original Beyond Good and Evil right. to, to do great work with it. I mean, Ubisoft has so many talented people. You know, we talk I, about I, that all the time. I'd also say that part of the 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 slight issue with Big Dreamers is they take big swings, but also there can be things like scope creep. Mm -hmm. yes. And I I don't know if any of you were actually at the E3. I saw the Beyond Good and Evil uh, yes. two thing behind closed doors, and my thought was generally. I, I don't know, like, this is all great, but yeah, like, I don't know if it game? looks like a sequel to <laughs> Beyond Good and Evil. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, so so that's great that you have, like, They should have called it Beyond Beyond Good and Evil. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> now, here's my question. Does it make you think, because I think about Cyberpunk 2077 as this incredible world and not necessarily, some people love what it delivers. I don't yeah. think it delivers enough. And I kind of, when I think about what I've seen of Beyond Good and Evil 2, I get the similar sense that they build a whole bunch of stuff and maybe there will be a gameplay system that connects it. But what I will say is this could be a redemptive project for the people who remain at Ubisoft. I don't know if you've heard, but it's kind of a mess over yeah. at Ubisoft in oh, terms yeah. of their staffing and their HR and poisonous people being left in power. And apparently Ancel was maybe, 
I'm I'm a little yeah. unclear on exactly. I don't want to impugn anybody without the having the receipts in my hands. But I will say it could be an opportunity for the remaining very talented and very dedicated people at Ubisoft at their various studios to take what was built up and say, all right, let's make something that isn't poisonous. Let's build something new and we'll say it's ours. Like that could be a really cool redemption story. And that's why I'm glad it's on the list, even though I do not for a second <laughs> believe it'll come out this year. No. <laughs> well, and you know, like I think Immortals uh, Phoenix Rising really kind of shows right. that that uh ub needs games that are not watchdogs and not rainbow six and not far cry and not assassin's creed they need some games that kind of show us what else they got and can kind of expand out in other worlds and bear i think your point is amazing i think that uh, dave filoni is proof positive on somebody that can take a baton and uh you know and, and john favreau and all the other people that are working on uh, the mandalorian right now you can you can yeah. take an IP, Jaffe, but that's up. a good example too. <laughs> yeah, and Jaffe yeah. for sure, like and Cor- and Corey uh, Barlog, you know, going and, mm-hmm. and but it isn't just one person anymore. And it, and actually, something interesting about this uh, Beyond Good and Evil two is that it is so overscoped that they actually went to the community and asked them to create assets for the game, which I, yeah. <laughs> I had never Not heard of. Union community, <laughs> yeah. that's clear. <laughs> yeah, so. That's- I, I don't know. I don't. I don't know what happens after that, right? Like, let's yeah. hope that they learn from cyberpunk. You know, I think yeah. that that's going to be a bit of a lesson. Hoping, fingers crossed. Yeah, for like, a lot like of it, it doesn't need to be a big, big game. Like, Mortals is a perfect example. Like, I, I yeah. just want like it's beyond good and evil too. Just continue the story and mm-hmm. the gameplay from the first game. It doesn't have to be sixty hours. They've probably made 30. that already, Mike. They right. probably made that game already, but then they went, "Oh, I don't think we we have to keep adding things." <laughs> no, no, a good a good thirty hours is just chef's kiss. Perfect. I know, man. Yeah. I, I'm right there with you. Okay, let's talk about number eighteen, Sam. You've got a very interesting idea here. Let's let's hear about uh, what you're thinking about. So this one I threw on the list kind of at the last minute because I've been watching Aver- uh, Awesome Games Done Quick AGDQ. Uh, and there was last night they featured Time Splitters 2, uh, which was developed by Free Radical, an offshoot of Rare's uh, GoldenEye and Perfect Dark, Dark Team, classic FPS. And I looked oh, and I said, wait a second, aren't they still working on something? And so it turns out uh, the company currently known as Dam Buster uh, is owned now by THQ Nordic, was owned by Deep Silver, was owned by, you know, this this whole team has been thrown from company to company, well, including uh, Crytek, uh, while trying to just hang on. But apparently, finally, all of the ducks in are in the row. The staff and the rights to time splitters are in THQ Nordic's hands. And so my pick, my first pick for 2021 is the time splitters revival, whether <laughs> it is the original games brought back as a simple classic retread with kind of uh, fancied up new stuff or a whole new classic retread that either uses the IP or builds something new. I believe the time is totally right to get that out there, perhaps as a non-November game. It's a surprise that launches in one of the off months and just catches enough fire because THQ Nordic is doing a good job of taking their insanely huge portfolio and putting games in at the right spots and making just enough money and having just enough budget. I do truly believe that it could be good. And also if we're all stuck at home and we want to relive those old glory days of being on the couch together, what about some tight, responsive, easy to access four player 
uh, battling. It wouldn't be split screen. I was about to say split screen, but you know, I'm a fan. Of well, the- wouldn't it be split yeah, we can still do split screen. Yeah. I'm just saying, put it online. I mean, I want to host split screen, even if I have to yeah. wear a bubble suit in order to play time splitters <laughs> with my buddies. That's a series that's just been locked since the PlayStation 2 GameCube era. It has not yeah. gotten re-released at all. You have to. Speaking you- of, yeah, yeah, they need to put that on Switch, like Time Splitters trilogy on Switch. On Switch, or- yeah. I think that's Wait. how you start, right? Were there four games? How many games were there? I th- the, think there was there Time were... Splitters 1, 2, and Future Perfect. Future, yeah. Future and Perfect. Yeah, yeah, I think three. So a trilogy. A re- I think that's where they start. It, it's weird that they made Destroy All Humans, which I think was a cool game, and it was a cool remake. Uh, but I don't know. I think Time Splitters has a lot more sort of opportunity, you know? Like, there's a, there's a, the, the whole multiplayer component in there is so important, and the, you know, connection to Free Radical and Goldeneye and Perfect Dark, all of that stuff sort of imbued in there. That's magic, man. And if that, the if main thing, I would, the main thing I'd say is whatever they're doing is not tiny because you see these sort of blog posts, that damn buster, that hint to progress on something. It doesn't just sound like they took, like, the Turok 2 assets and put them together in the Kex engine, which I love, but it just sounds like there's more bubbling. And so that's getting me excited. And it would seems like it would be THQ hasn't really announced a big slate for 2021. So I think it would be a really neat thing that would just get everybody going. Good job, THQ Nordic. Yeah, plus, I'm, uh, I'm impressed with those guys. Plus, uh, Tenet came out this year. So it's a good time for Tenet time travel jokes to be in time splitters. It's, <laughs> yes, we're, we're right there. So a 2021 time splitters revival, whether it's the trilogy remastered or a brand new game. We're all in for that. Yes. And how about you, chat? We've got a bunch of people in the chat. I haven't said hello to. I said hello, but not uh, generally. Ben Gordon is here. Adrian Leon. Mr. Mass Produce 201. Blair Farrell, good to see you. Adrian Leon. uh, Kashimoto. um, Who else is in here? VR Grid and Shuhei Yoshida. Yeah? Hello. Uh, And uh, and Olaf Christensen and Wilden. It's great to see everybody. Uh, (laughs) uh, Jeff Meacham. Hey, Vic. How's it going? Uh, um, And hey, right back to you. Okay, number 17 is uh, is all mine. And this is a, a, a little adventure game called Tunic. Which uh, dropped, I think, part as part of the um, indie sort of showcase that Xbox threw out in 2018. This is being developed by, I believe, one person, and I think that's why we've been waiting for it for so long. But it stars a little fox dressed in Link's clothes, and uh, my the I, it looks adorable. It looks really kind of Zelda esque, and I love the isometric look to it and the adventuring that we get to do. But my kid absolutely adores foxes, so I am pleading with this guy. I think his name is Andrew Schuldis um, from Finji. He's, I think he's in Quebec. I just finished this freaking game so I can enjoy it with my kid. I think this would be so fun in 2021. And it, you know, we've been waiting for it for a while. I'm sure that the, uh, you know, the features have been creeping. We saw Link's Awakening come out for the Nintendo Switch, and that was probably a massive inspiration for this game. But then also probably challenged. Uh, this developer and whoever else he might be working with to uh, up their game. But it looks amazing. This looks so adorable and so cute. And, uh, uh, you know, we've got a lot of big titles on our list today, but that's a nice little indie kind of uh, love and indie shout out for something that I really want to play. 
I just want to say I've played that occasionally it's demo will be available on Steam when they're doing these festivals. And there's cool. been more of these over the past year where they're like, well, we don't have E3, but you can play a demo of a thing. And it's just does a really nice job of taking what seems to be some sort of simple default. I don't know if it's Unity or Unreal, but it's got that feel like it's built mm -hmm. in one of those. But then it builds a world very immediately. First thing is everything's in hieroglyphics. There's its own language. And even the it. instruction manual, when it was first presented at E3, like you, you went to the booth and it was all in hieroglyphics all, all the instructions the they had the controller like the xbox controller with like fake language pointing to all the buttons and all that sort of stuff and the demo that i've played owns that sense of the discovery happens in many different directions and oh, it reminded me of the first time that i played fez because fez was a hype machine right but once you actually played it you're like wait there's a whole mystery inside of this that they never let off and so i get the same vibes from that and it feels good like it feels good beat to beat and then on top of that the art direction the cute fox all of it i cannot wait now there was an interview uh in december i'm mm -hmm. sorry in july where they said oh yeah we don't know we don't know when it's coming out but we swear it was december I, i'm mixing my dates but yeah still no announced uh date but i am also uh fingers crossed and praying for 2020 yeah, yeah I, you I can see all the dates and they just won't commit to 2021 on this thing but i hope it does come out this year <laughs> yeah I, I i played it as well and it, it, it was a fun little game it's not entirely uh easy but it mm. is also not like like souls souls lightish hard <laughs> like titan yeah. souls or something yeah. like that See, so uh, i, I haven't played it but i would say that if there's one thing to really celebrate in the past decade it's probably all these small indie games made by you know a group of people um, I feel like this is just probably going to be another great one to add to the list. I mean, you look at everything Devolver's done. You look at Celeste. I believe right. that was made in BC. Like, there's just been so many of these special games. Hades, I know that was, like, a bit of a bigger team, but um, still just incredible titles. And some of them are winning Game of the Year awards, too. Like, it's it amazing. shows that yep. in indie games are really competing with the AAA titles, and that's that's a good thing. Yeah, no, it it looks incredibly cool. You know, I can't wait to play that. And, and my kid is obsessed with these foxes right now, so I think she's going to love that game. Uh, all right, Mike, we're going to get into uh, some racing nirvana right here. I don't have any footage of a new Forza Horizon to show, but number 16 <laughs> is Forza Horizon 5. This is uh, still beautiful Forza Horizon 4 material that we're yep. looking at here. What do you want out of Forza Horizon 5? So, so the trick with uh, all of the Forza Horizons is usually if you look at the DLC, you can tell what they're going to focus on mm. on the next game. So right. like Storm Island uh, had weather and that was what they focused on for the next game. And the last update that they released for this, not full DLC, but a, a free update recently was the one with all of the jumps and ramps and stuff, building on some of the stuff they had done before. Uh, with like the Hot Wheels DLC and stuff like that. So I think probably they're going to move Forza Horizon 5 even further away from just here's a, a, a world and you can just drive around, add some more jumps, add some more, like bring it a little bit closer to say something like Burnout Paradise. Right on. Or but, Motor Storm. Uh, or Mortar Storm. Like, yeah. uh, I mean, Horizon is just a fantastic racing game, but you have to keep improving and keep changing. And uh, I mean, Playground has grown uh, the company quite large in order to work on Fable and I assume Horizon. And we're sort of sitting in limbo because they were on a Motorsport Horizon alternate year release. Yeah, yeah. And took time off. So I don't know when, but I, I hope 
that uh, horizon is this year but if it's not i hope it's next year well they've they've teased us with the new uh motorsport yeah so i don't know if we're going to get the horizon well we're certainly not going to get both so one of (laughs) it's going to either be fable or it's going to be horizon they've teased us with fable but i'm all for it man i'm a much bigger fan of the arcadey kind of uh action of a, a a racing series like forza horizon and then Horizon is a series that it, what you would consider a triple A arcade racer, yep. which I can't really say the same for the Need for Speed franchise and a lot of the other things that are coming out. Burnout Paradise definitely was, but the recent Need for Speed games are always just missing something. Mm. Whenever you jump into the Horizon games, they're just, you know, they're triple A quality. Like I think it was probably like your game of the year or one of your game of the years, Vic. Yeah. For Horizon Three, I think it was. Three was just insane. incredible. Just an incredible franchise, and I can't wait. You know. Yeah. Sam, you're you're a bigger sim guy, aren't you? Sorry, I just got distracted by real life. Um, <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll anyone in the chat could probably clue in on what just happened. I saw um, it too. Yeah. But what? yeah, which and so I'm just gonna go good news on that. Anyway, um, yeah, I, I mean. I think Horizon is too soon, and I'll talk about that. I'm going to be talking about driving games later. I don't see that coming out this year. However, I do think that obviously the Fable moves means that they're going to be prepared to go more fantastical. Whether that means we're going to get something like Split Second or Motorstorm or uh, any of these sort of incredible world-altering kind of driving games, I don't know. I just hope that it's Series X exclusive. Like I think yes. that Horizon is a series where having more players is probably on the bookkeeper's best interests mm-hmm. but in my heart it's about world deformation that's a thing that horizon does that the motorsport series does not yeah yeah good point and i think we're kind of creating an exclusive opportunity right here on this podcast to think that we're going to have a fantasy themed for for it's a horizon <laughs> game with fairies and giant frogs and all kinds of magical creatures with huge racing experience yes that's the thing it's it's actually the same game it's fable, fable horizon oh, god. oh my god that's amazing uh well we're talking about uh you know feature creep and and over scoping let's uh, get into number 15 which we may have seen before. This is all yours, Bear. Number 15 is... All right, we were talking bad about the Soulsborne franchise a little earlier, but 2020 was my year of getting into the Soulsborne series because we were in the pandemic. You know, I felt like, you know, punching myself in the dick because it was just that it was that painful to, to play through the series. But announced at E3 2019, Elden Ring... It's uh, Hidetaka Miyazaki and George R. R. Martin coming together to create a world. I cannot imagine and fathom what they're going to create together. We, there was like a bit of a teaser. And I, I need to see more of this game because, you know, From Software has had a, you know, they pretty much sweeped game of the year. In oh, 20- I, I, I switched your, uh, I, I was like, I, <laughs> I switched your numbers. We're on oh, Cyberpunk. You- yes. Oh, can I keep going with Elden Ring, though? <laughs> sure, okay. Yeah, yeah I'm going to keep going with Elden Ring. <laughs> okay, go for it. The numbers um, are kind of arbitrary. I just wanted to create a focus on on how we were going uh, with this. But, but, but maybe that's that's connected. Yeah. Elden Ring, Overscope, uh, Cyberpunk. <laughs> but the one, okay, the one reason I, ha- I have a feeling this might have a small chance of coming out in 2021 is it is slated for this year, but From Software has had a history of releasing games every two years. So Sekiro was in March of 2019, and I would not, you know, I wouldn't be too shocked if they did release something at the end of this year because I feel like From Software has really 
capture that formula of making these Soulsborne games. Like, I mean, they're the inventors of it, but they, they, they pump them out pretty fast. You know, I don't think they've had a, a huge gap in a game release for a while. They've released things every two years. Around 2014, they were releasing three games every year. Um, or sorry, one game each year. So they were having like a, a streak. So that's definitely one of the, the games I'm probably most excited for this year. Elden Ring, just show us a little bit more, please. Whatever we might happens get it. This we street, might get it this year. And, we might. And, fingers crossed. and maybe don't tie any game logic or anything to frame rate so that in the future, maybe, you know, the game can be updated for 60 frames per second. I, don't, you know, <laughs> I love that you brought that up. You know what, Mike? One of the things that, that I was going to put on this list is having a Bloodborne 60 frames a second <laughs> patch because it's crazy to me that the, the modern community is now you know, already taken on that range. I think there's some patches for the PS4 Pro. If you I'm want. amazed, I'm amazed from software didn't stop the Demon Souls remake from being released. I saw 60 frames a second persistent. And I'm like, that's, <laughs> this needs to get shut down. Shut yeah. it down from software. <laughs> yeah. uh, I mean, I will say Elden Ring has a good shot of being that November or December uh, end of the year. Just get it out. Worst case scenario, release it incomplete Halo 2 style and add DLC later. Like I could see that happening just in terms, I don't know what Bandai Namco, is it Bandai Namco That's publishing? Bandai Namco publishing. Yep. Yep. So like, I'm not sure what their whole release slate is, but it would probably be in their best interest to get something out and uh, uh, to wait until, and to wait until as late as possible. Cause they don't need, they don't need to put out a bunch of teasers or a bunch of advanced unfulfilling yeah. hype. If they're just like, this is the next Soulsborn. Oh, and it's got George R.R. R. Martin mixed in. Like uh, they're uh, good. I'd almost agree with that, except for the fact that From Software is very much a perfect game. Yeah. And then we're gonna walk away. Yeah. Like, mm -hmm. like it's done. Like, we're done with this. Like yeah. second row, they released it, like, we're done. Now on to the next See Enjoy you guys it. later. Yeah. <laughs> great point. That is a great yeah. point about their and they and they have that reputation, and that's so rare in the AAA well, industry. And the other ingredient here is George R. R. Martin, who has a bunch of deadlines, and we're always waiting for things from him. But the other thing is that there is no new Game of Thrones kind of show to kind of hype up his profile right now. We're going on what he has done in the past. So there's no sort of um and the longer we wait until HBO Max announces that something new is coming on. He's kind of... Oh, they have House of the Dragon. Oh, is it coming out this year? The, the prequel is coming soon, yeah. Oh, it is. Okay, well, I, I think that is also tied into this too, right? They want to have as much cresting at the same time um, to kind of get the hype up around all of this stuff. And you, yeah, don't, I, you don't pay I, George R.R. R. Martin to... And honestly, the question is, like, how much did he have to do with the story? Did he just localize some ideas that uh um what's what's the guy's name uh hiditaka miyazaki miyazaki, miyazaki son uh worked on uh or did he actually kind of create lore for this and then sort of intro like yeah. it's going to be very interesting to kind of figure all of this stuff out you gotta also think that they must feel a little confident after 2019 with Sekiro winning some game of the year awards that they're right. confident enough to release it in quarter four you know, before Christmas and fall and really... Oh, it's a huge game for Bandai guns, Namco. Right? It's, so it's huge. Yeah, They're probably willing to to see see how they do again. And and because Sekiro did so well, they're like, you know what? We'll we'll, we'll play with the big guns. You know, I think From Software has definitely reached that, that level. Absolutely. The, the biggest question mark is just Japan's ability to develop games during the pandemic. We saw 2020, that yeah. 
I, I mean, I hate to single out a single country in a weird way like that, but that's just what the market has borne so far. You know, for example, just with Street Fighter, everything about Street Fighter being kind of blown up. And I just see so many other comments from people who know more than I do about the Japanese industry pointing to, yeah, we didn't know how to get stuff done. I mean, goodness, look at Nintendo's. So whether it really does come out this year or not, I don't know. And I think it would mm -hmm. be fair if it ends up delayed. That's that's the big question mark on this whole mm -hmm. list. But, you know, we're going to all keep hoping. Is it going to be cross-generational or is it going to be exclusive to the new machines? I mean, that's going to, I think that's going to be something we hear at the last minute. I don't I think, see that. I think almost everything this year is going to be cross-generational. If I yeah. were just with, with the stock and the supply, I don't know how smart it would yeah, be. I think we, I think we probably publisher. got like two years, like mm -hmm. unless you are aiming for the top line. That's like, so, that feels game, crazy. We did did we have two years of PS4 and PS3? Well, the the thing is, now we're in this weird era where that bleed of about a year and a half yeah. has the pro tier of consoles, right? And they're not limited, so right. it's like, yeah, that's 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 made this like era Cyberpunk is isn't even actually out for PS5 and Series X. It's yeah. Right. Just, mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and Cyberpunk uh, on the base PS4 and Xbox One is so much worse than Grand Theft Auto V was on uh, Xbox 360 and PS3. And those were bad. Yeah, like, so I, those were quite bad. But yeah. it's like, I, I, it's just a whole different uh, matrix. Yeah, All right. Well, I, I let's, think that go ahead, go ahead. let's talk about Cyberpunk. Let's stay on our on our, our, our numerical journey through these games. And I, I had so it did, in as a number do, 15. Do you, me, do you want me to take the reins? On yeah, yeah do, it, do it. Listen, you, you've pledged your love for this game. I've pledged my love. I've pledged my love for Keanu Reeves here. All right. It's clear. <laughs> but I know. Listen, I know that Cyberpunk was a buggy mess. I know that it's so cool to hate on Cyberpunk on the Internet. I know it was probably not the game that it should have been, but it did take my breath away. No pun intended. You see what I did there. Yeah. yeah. Um, I adored the 65 hours that I that I was in there. And it was just the characters, the world. It was just so... It, it was a game that encapsulated me. Like, it was the same feeling I had when I played Fallout 3 in 2008. You know what I mean? I was just, I was just so in it. I started to fall in love with the characters. I just could not put the controller down. Even though it would crash on me five, six times a day, I would still... I don't know what crazy part of my mind would still... You know, wait for that crash error and relaunch the game every single time. Wow. And, uh, you know, the next gen and the hopefully working version of this game is probably what I'm looking for. One of the things I'm you, looking you, for. Like you honestly want to play it again. You want I to would, go through. I would want to play it again. Yeah. Honestly, that's how much I, I beat. I did one ending and I was like, you know what? I'm going to wait till the next gen version. Mm. And I know that there's a lot of people out there, including you, Vic, who's kind of held off on playing this game in 2020. And I think you did a great thing. But once you get to play the complete and finished version, you know, we should be celebrating what the creative team did with this game rather than just you uh, know, yeah. I, I agree. on them for the corporate greed that happened. Yeah, I agree with CD you Project on that. I, I just couldn't, um, I, I had to, I mean, I, I'm glad that you added it to this list. I, I added it to my, uh, you know, 21 games uh, that I was looking forward to, uh, you know, that I know the release dates are coming. Uh, to that video as well, I had I uninstalled it off the PlayStation Five, you know, and it was it was working, but I I would just get into these sequences where there I could hear a person talking over my shoulder, and I'd turn the camera around, and there'd just be a cell phone in midair and no body attached to it, or yeah. you know somebody and, would be carrying a suitcase, and then the the suitcase would and it's like come on, it's, it's heartbreaking ridiculous. that that's what most of us have gotten from the experience, and how that's how most people feel because it's really hard to recover, you know. There's always yeah. a bit of a bad taste when you th think about games. 
like No Man's Sky and you talk to the casual gamer about it, they're like, what, you play No Man's Sky? Well, it's like, well, it's a whole different game now. Yeah. Um, you know, we we have to give them a chance because the worst thing that could happen is the talented team at CD Projekt Red. I mean, the creative team just disbanding because of this, this crazy fiasco because right. they did make something special here and we have to give them a chance to release because I, I truly fully put my foot down. I think that this game will be something great in a year or two from now. It's just, it's well, always going to have that bad taste. I mean, I would disagree that we have to give them a chance. But the other thing I would say, the different version of that is they got the money to do yeah, something. They got 13 million sold. Like and that, yeah. and that money fine. can and that money can <laughs> yeah. be paid forward in the same way that No Man's Sky did because they do have a business in keeping people hooked. Yeah. Just because they have the money now doesn't mean that they're running to the bank and saying peace out. So what I mean to say is as someone who owns one of about 12 RTX 3080 graphics cards in the world, <laughs> I enjoyed the sheer beauty and scope. When you play this game on a PC on a high-end PC, you get it's just draped in ray tracing effects in a way that really actually matters. You can see a before and after difference of it, and it really does something. Like, it is unbelievable. Now, I'm happy to admit when ray tracing is not that great, when it's oversold. But here, I think it really does a good job of saying this is a real world, and you also don't get as many T-poses in the PC version, which also helps. Yeah. So if they can get all of those ducks in a row for the PlayStation 5 and Series X versions, uh, and we've seen on PlayStation 5 the ray tracing effects on uh, Spider-Man uh, with 60 frames a second like that's doable and it looks cool yeah, so if you take that whole pipeline and you get that applied to what's happening in cyberpunk 2077 i think that alone is something that we could say yeah that's hopeful because once you build from there once you build the fixes once you maybe build additional content once you have maybe a few more clever systems to tie together the interesting side story content in a way that isn't just you're getting a phone call all the time you're getting another phone call yeah. go do this thing with the phone. like there's yeah. a I, there's just enough there that makes me go yes it's good and yes it's worth being excited about so, when they fix yeah. it my, my, I say, can, I, can i just say something yeah, when i say give them a chance I'm not talking about the financial and the corporate greed. I don't, I don't give a crap about how much money they make. I'm talking about giving the creative team a chance to tell the story that they wanted to tell and, and the writers that put in the work because they're they're not really concerned about how much the game sells. They've been working on this game for, what, seven, eight years, and they just sure. probably want it to be shown in the light that the hard work that they put into it. Because, you know, as a filmmaker myself, I know what it's like to put two years of your life into a project and, you know, just... To, to see how it ends up and to get the right perception. I feel like the creative team probably just feels so discouraged right now. Mm. And I think it'd be really nice to give them a chance to, to really show us the world that they wanted to, to show us, you know, forget all the money, forget all the, you know, the corporate greed. Cause we, we now know that CD project red, they have some serious management issues there and they have some serious, you know, corporate issues. Like they clearly just wanted to pump this game out for Christmas to just make as much money as possible. So I just want, creatively for for the team to be fulfilled uh, i'd say two things one th that's mostly on management like that's not on yeah. us that's yeah that is something and i think they will because again they're the kind of studio that relies on uh carrying a single game forward for a very long time they rely on the long tail so i wouldn't worry about that uh what i i want to know is it is it really that fit like i played some of it at the beginning on the 3070 and then i stopped because i had other games so that's always my problem and it felt a lot like a very well done upscaled far cry with yeah. an open world yeah and 
like so that's 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 always my disconnect i'm like is it really like that amazing or is it just a very good game that has a lot of bugs it takes too long to expose its interesting systems and its combat sucks uh, like I just take a sword and just mow everything down yeah. at this point. You're very like, there's OP a lot in the game, are you? There are some real misses to getting you to the hits. So okay. you're not you're not wrong, and it doesn't. It should have done a better job of onboarding and getting, especially with the opening. Like pick one of the three quests; they're all the same, honestly. And that's that was a bummer to see that how that played out. In my opinion, yeah, that totally. It's yeah, I tried it on this on Stadia and on uh, PlayStation Five and PC. Uh, different Ooh, characters, different paths, and. It was, uh, yeah, it, it sort of filters out to be exactly the same experience. But, but once, once you get things rolling, once Keanu's kicking, and I'm a, I'm a, a Keanu apologist, I like his acting, even when I think it's wooden. Like once that's all going, yeah. and there's ways that the game leads you to about that. places, and even dialogue trees that actually do kind of splinter in interesting ways, great. But yeah, it's the produ- someone on the production side really screwed the pooch on putting those pieces together in the same way that impressed so unequivocally on Witcher 3. All right. Well, we got a hard stop in about 30 minutes, so I want to try to get through the rest of them. My, uh, uh, Sam, you're up now with Halo oh. Infinite at All right. uh, I, Well, I can be 14. quick about this. I do think it's going to come out this year. Yeah. I do think yeah. it's going to be solid I, because apparently the game is... There, there's a start to finish completion of Halo Infinite. And I, is it Joe Staten? Is that who came on? Um, one of the guys who had been part of um, uh, uh, that other company. Um, wow, I'm blanking mm-hmm. on names. Bungie, yeah. One of the main uh, script writers for the Halo series left, worked with Bungie, uh, then left Bungie. Now he's back. Now he's running the show. And he came on to say, all right, we're delaying. We're delaying for a while. I have played the game from start to finish. I see that there's a good game here and we're moving forward. And that to me sounds like a produce a production team that can get this game to the finish line in a way that's good and in a way that can be patched to be built for community content later. The idea being that it's a big co-op Halo open world, which I think think has always been sort of a, a thing just on the horizon that they didn't do because somebody had a bug up their butts about having it be a plot machine and about being a, a machine to make a TV show out of and all of this other stuff. And I think when you stop and go, let's just right. do Halo Open World. We've got Jeeps. We've got four player co-op. Let's just let people roam around and do sort of emergent quests. Like I'm fine with them slotting into some open world tropes in order to do Halo Open World. And I thought um, the last Gears of War hinted at Microsoft getting that right with a co-op or single player kind of game. So I I am excited about Halo Infinite being at least good, if not great. And then you add to that their willingness to make it part of Game Pass and to make it sort of an open ecosystem that people can come into to play something. Maybe you join the Battle Royale if they do Battle Royale. Maybe you do 4v4 PvP. Maybe you do open world co-op. I think that they're going to do a good job of giving everyone enough so you can play with your friends. If your friend didn't buy the DLC, you guys can play together. But if you're hooked, you can buy more DLC and hit that next part of the world or whatever. I feel very strongly that is going to be good not great not revolutionary not the the console seller for series x but good is good enough for me sam it might man i mean i think it's a really big statement that you know they have halo on the box for series x and they said nope it's not ready we're giving it another year i think that's a huge statement you know every game game that gets you know six months or a year worth of tuning ends up being generally really really good that's exactly what cyberpunk needed you know yeah, it, imagine if we were game, talking about cyberpunk coming out right now the game's coming out on, on base xbox is it not as well xbox that's the one, problem yeah well, 
Which if I think it, it's a big, a big. There's hole word that there, there's word and scuttle that the base Xbox version has fallen by the wayside in terms of campaign, but they'll probably still deliver the multiplayer. Ooh, okay. Which in the Game Pass world could work just great because. Totally. Or maybe it's like, well, you only have the base Xbox. Maybe you should get Game Pass Ultimate and play on the cloud if you want to do the campaign. Yeah, because Infinite's think... multiplayer is supposed to be 120 on Series X. Uh, and then I guess they could probably scale that down to like 60 on... The multiplayer suite has so much more opportunity for them to scale up and down. Like, yeah. I see that being a possibility while the campaign... We don't know for sure. I do yeah. believe if they do lock everything to base Xbox One, that is a mistake. And I think they know that. And I think that the market is moving in such a way that they can adjust accordingly. But that does remain to be seen. That is the big asterisk. Yep. I, I, I think they're going to do it. Um, let's talk <laughs> about uh, number 13. It's uh, Metal Gear Solid 1 Remade, which has I'm... been a rumor for a long time. And uh, it, it sort of floats up and then it gets debunked. Um, we're looking at uh, some Twin Snakes footage here from the GameCube. Um, this is such a phenomenal story, you know, the story of the game being made, you know, how important it was to the video game industry to kind of get into an action stealth experience like this with all of this robust narrative and fantastic seminal voice work from lots of really accomplished actors. It was convoluted. It had long cut sequences, um, but it really kept you on, you know, the edge of your seat and also challenged you in a bunch of interesting ways, the whole Psycho Mantis stuff. And it's just itching for uh, some unique camera controls, um, yeah. sort of modernized and updated for kind of current contemporary players. And also to kind of reintroduce Solid Snake again, you know, to get us to care about this character again and to not just launch or redo the first game, but I think in a way to kind of relaunch Metal Gear as a brand again, you know, especially after Kojima has left it. Uh, yeah. But I, I, I think we are going to see something on this game this year i don't know if we're going to get it this year but i think it is getting i think it is in development and i think we're going to see something on it i'm only on board if david Hayter comes back to do the voice Me again, too. by the way like i he needs to just reprise that role we won't talk about phantom pain too much but i don't know if any of you have seen actually i mean konami's been bastardizing all these franchises they own but i don't know if you guys have seen what they did with metal gear solid 3 when they made the pachinko machines in japan <laughs> using the fox engine i mean it was so sad that that's what they turned the franchise into but if you saw what they did using the fox engine how good metal gear solid 3 looked in like a remade 1080p kind of setting i i don't doubt that this would be such a special re-release. I mean, it's one of the most celebrated games in PlayStation history. Yeah. And I just don't know who, I guess it's Blue Point right now that is rumored to be doing it. And I mean, they it should be turn, them. They, they just turned into the remake machines, so. Uh, <laughs> I mean, yeah, I, I figure if it's Blue Point, then probably Sony will be publishing it in collaboration with yeah. Konami. Because um, I, I think probably post-Demon Souls. I mean, my, Sony my, is going to buy Blue Point. But the, the yes. bottom line is, so yeah, that's I, a good point. I wish Konami was a failure at Pachinko in Japan right. and had to sell its IP. They continue oh, yeah. to make just plenty of money making Pachinko machines in Japan, and therefore we're going to continue seeing things like Bomber Girl as a PC port and things like that. I'm just <laughs> like, 
gosh, just yeah. sell stuff that we gamers <laughs> want to play and do your own thing and we could all be happy. So until that happens, I'm going to always kind of wonder how much hope there is. But I want to believe and I'd love to have an MGS1 remake that I want to play because it ain't the GameCube version. Yeah. And you know what? I mean, I, I don't know if they're going to sell while they've got this movie coming, right? Because the movie could reinvent everything as well. And it's going to be if people go to it and it becomes a huge success for uh, mainstream audiences out there. It's just going to be this other huge revenue stream, you know, all the merchandising and everything that can come out of that. Uh, but I don't know how you can launch this movie without relaunching the game franchise again. You know, Metal Gear Survive too. You launch it off of the sad. face of Oscar so... Isaac because you know <laughs> yeah. Oscar Isaac is going to look magnificent in the beard yes he is yes mike so. uh you've got the next one for us and again i don't have new footage because we don't know anything about this but saints row 5 made it to your list it's in at number 12 yeah so uh i'm uh, i'm generally a fan of volition's games and they have been working behind the scenes for a while they actually said like yeah we're working on the next saints row um and i really enjoyed three and saints row the fourth and i mean saints row the third and saints row four so uh, i'm ready for them to jump back in and uh, uh bring a real fun wild open world probably not as far as saints row four with the superpowers yeah but you know something that'll um not necessarily compete but provide an alternative <laughs> We got naked game characters with mosaics all over them. It's they they just went all out, right? Purple dildos and the whole damn thing with this. Right, project. and and I think they're going to build like a full game, but I also think that they're not going to avoid the idea of trying to compete with GTA Online. Yeah, like there's no way you're making a a, right. a game like that and not going to at least try. Right. So. And, and yeah, and you're, that's a good point because the open insanity of this game can it could be it could be Red Dead and Grand Theft in the same game. You know, right. <laughs> it's amazing too that they went uh, full Crackdown and they did a better job at Crackdown than Crackdown did. Yes, they did. You know, which is crazy. Yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to that too. I like Volition a lot. Uh, okay, number eleven, and I believe this is yours. Bear is uh, Diablo Four. Diablo 4 announced in November of 2019. I know this is a little bit of a Hail Mary, but what gives me kind of a positive light on this is there's there's been 20 to 30 minute gameplay demos. They've showed off three characters so far uh, about of Diablo 4. And what I what I am most excited for this game is it seems like we're going back to that dark style of Diablo looks 1 great. and 2. It looks so good. Yep. I feel like they're gonna learn from the mistakes that they made from Diablo 3 because that game, let's face it, if you're a hardcore Diablo fan, did not really nail everything on the list that we wanted it was just it was too it was too focused on the console experience even though it came out on pc first it was clear that they were they were trying to to make this game on the the 360 and ps3 at the same time right so i think that blizzard's going to come big this time i think they've learned from their mistakes and you know if it comes out in 2021 Diablo 4 could keep me entertained through another pandemic, but here's hoping <laughs> what about go there. <laughs> what about Path of Exile 2, which is now 2022, I believe. They yeah, yeah. So there's a lot of a, a lot of good stuff coming out on PC, and I mean the Diablo series is why I, I upgrade my PC every decade because it comes. Oh, oh, is that immortal? Okay, that is immortal. <laughs> Sam, Sam, what's is that? What's that on my level. phone? A, oh. An alpha for Diablo Immortal? Huh? How are you? <laughs> Have you been enjoying uh, that, Sam? Interrupt. 
Uh, I will say it's fine, but it makes me want to play Diablo 4. It doesn't right. have gamepad support because I have one of those um, Razer Kishi add-ons, which mm-hmm. is great and I wish it worked. Um, but it's, yeah, it's like fine enough. It's not offensive, but like Diablo 4 is something that I would like to be good. But Warcraft 3 Reforged made me give up pretty much all hope about Blizzard <laughs> as a company to be taken seriously. Yeah. They really do need to- Except for um, they picked up, uh, what's his name? Uh, Fixer, Fixer. Rod Ferguson. Years. Rod Ferguson. Listen, yeah. listen. Yeah. There, they have staff, they have money, they have effort, but they do not have my faith. And until they make up for the that. trash fire that is Warcraft 3 Reforged, which I think <laughs> as 20, 2020's most disappointing game, worse uh, than Cyberpunk, they yeah. had 12 months of 2020 to put yeah. anything into Warcraft 3 Reforged that resembled the original perfectly working client. <laughs> it was a $30 reason to sell a mount in World of Warcraft. It is an offensive release, and Blizzard can eat my shorts until they <laughs> fix that. So I would like Diablo 4 to be great because I love that game and i love doing co-op clickoramas with my buddies yeah that's an uphill for me yeah yeah Yeah. is there something that they could do to diablo 4 to kind of um reinvent it is there anything that they need to do in terms of gameplay is it is it going to be the same try to make it feel like yeah i think you just need to deliver it like make it feel like diablo 2 if they just go back to diablo 2 that is a good start Mm. it's 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 the ability trees and the customization to make your character really feel like you're right you know think about diablo 3 everyone's they have everyone's character we yeah exactly you you know diablo 2 is so much more you know like hey you you not that they should do this right but i mean you put the wrong you buy the wrong ability and it's like, okay, you're screwed. You're tied into that ability until you make a new character, you know, but like, unless you're following online builds, no two of the same class are identical. And I think that's, that's a beautiful thing. I'd also say they need to deliver controller support. That's just my, like, like literally when I played magic legends last, I was like, Hey, is there controller support? Yeah. Like, I was like, okay, that's all I need. Like even on PC, like sometimes I just don't feel like I just want to, yeah, point in a direction. Yeah, they should do it, but they sh- they shouldn't prioritize it because I feel right. like the big issue with Diablo three was it was clear they prioritized controller support from the get go, and it was and a new really thing for them. Down. Yeah, yeah, it was a new thing, and it really dumbed yeah. down the whole experience of the game. But good, I agree, it should it point. should still exist. Sam, you you believe, and I think uh, you maybe um, have some backup on this one. That Sam there, believes. No, this is this is going. <laughs> well, no, that it's, there's... Just, it's just me. I got an exclusive, y'all. Uh, going to have a switch. We're going to get coming. a new switch. Sam's sure. got all of the exclusives. Uh, so let's be clear. Uh, for anyone listening on a podcast, you can't see my sweet new Super Mario thirty five hoodie or my uh, sweet power up band from. Universal Studios Japan. That's oh, your name tag. He's got Look at your all. name tag thing. Sam. Listen, there's a whole lot going on if you're not watching on video. If you're only doing the podcast, you don't even know what strength is coming with this <laughs> prediction. No, the Nintendo Switch has long been rumored to get a mid-generation upgrade. And we don't have exact details as to how that's going to play out. But it makes sense because of the way revisions work for portable hardware. Uh, portable hardware is much more likely to soup up in certain ways, but not all the ways, which means a mid-generation refresh makes more sense than a whole new switch that throws all your old games in the trash. And because they're still selling Mario Kart 8 and Super Mario Odyssey and Zelda Breath of the Wild, they don't struggle to sell their back catalog games. They're not ready to cut off the generation. So a mid-generation Switch Pro, Switch HD, Switch Switch Series Switch, you know, whatever you (laughs) want to call it. Um, But the idea would be uh, 
possibly because of their collaboration with NVIDIA, DLSS, as a way when you have it plugged into the television that you don't have a lot of raw horsepower on the base hard hardware to keep the battery life going, but you plug that into a TV port and boom, you've got intelligent upscaling with any game that uses TAA. Not all right. of them, but some of them. And so that could be a really cool feather in their hat for allying with an, uh, NVIDIA, while the other big boys, Microsoft and Sony, have allied with AMD, who do not have a similar upscaling feature. This is not going to be a switch that natively powers 4K. This mm. is not going to be that kind of superpower, but enough to jack up the resolution and jack up the frame rate just enough on newer hardware, uh, software and some existing stuff. I don't think I think there's going to be a lot of games that don't get patches, but I do think it'll be enough with a couple of semi recent games to sort of be like, all right, this is our big year because 2020 was quiet. And I think 2021 is going to be a lot louder for Nintendo. Yeah, yeah. and I, I think you're right. They're, they're kind of the just enough on technology kind of philosophy every time. And it doesn't make sense for them to, because the rumor is that if, if they go full 4K, it's a, it's a, it's not a switch. It's a uh, it's a machine that's, you're, you know, it's another console that's always plugged into your TV. But if they want that switch portability, you can still get that um, and upscale up to 4K with DLSS. Yeah, and let's can we face it? Like Nintendo is the type of company that will announce something in one month and release it like two months later. Yeah. So yeah. I think this is a really good wild card from Sam, and it's very very possible. Oh, I think it's coming Definitely. out this spring. Yeah. No, no, because uh, two things: one, they can get the the jump just from the Tegra new chip. Yeah. Uh, Tegra Oren, which was announced, I think in 2017 which i mean we've been railing for years about the old tegra being old when it came out let alone when it came out so so like just switching the chip like they can just get a boost just from that but then also the the big tell for me is monster hunter rise is coming out in march and there has i I don't think there's ever not been a special monster hunter Mm. system right and they did not announce one for Rise. Ooh. There is no Monster Hunter Rise. Switch Good detective work, my that friend. They announced. So I think, <laughs> Mr. Mike Williams. I think the it's Rise. Good to see Mike rise to the bro. occasion on this one. <laughs> oh, <laughs> no. oh, no. Sam. Okay, we're, we're running out of time, so we're going to have to speed through the rest of these a little bit quicker here. But uh, I hope that Bayonetta 3, which is number nine, ends up being one of these Switch Pro games. I hate calling it the Switch Pro. I like Super Switch. I hope that this is on the I Super, like Super Switch. Switch. Ultra yeah. Switch. The Ultra, Bring Ultra Switch. Switch Ultra. 3DS. Yeah, Switch Dolphin. <laughs> I, I, <laughs> I, but uh, I love Platinum Games and I love uh, Bayonetta and Bayonetta 1 and 2 were just extraordinarily uh, experiences and they Absolutely. ran perfectly on base Switch. So if Platinum does happen to have more horsepower to show us what they're capable of on this new machine, I am all for it. And that's why Bayonetta 3 is number nine. I do believe we're, all, we're probably going to get that this year as well. Uh, Platinum doesn't sit still. They they uh, crank. Pretty much. Yeah. Uh, I guess I'll go on to mine. Yep. Uh, Resident Evil. Resident Evil 4 Remake um, is is another one of those like, yeah, it's going to happen. It's yeah. definitely going to happen. Yeah. Uh, and with Capcom's release cadence, like like they, they sort of rushed through Resident Evil 3. They were like, here you go. Get that out the door. That was Resident still super fun. Was- I know it got a lot of hate, but it was a really fun game. Yeah, I, I, it, it was just like the jump from the original Resident Evil 2 to Resident Evil 3. It was just yeah. like, this is fantastic, and this is okay. Yeah. This is a good game. Like, yeah. it's, it's good. Um, but for, uh, I mean, everyone, Masterpiece. this is what we right. want. 
Yeah. This is what we want. Mm-hmm. It's so good. It just it makes you question why they would want to do it. Like we're looking at the HD version of Resident Evil 4, which was on the PC, and then it's been ported to the more recent machines. Uh, and it looks great. I mean, it looks dated. But yeah, if they do uh, a Demon Souls kind of, you know, coat of paint on Resident Evil 4, holy mackerel. Just incredible. Mm. Like, I mean, that's just, the thing about the whole the whole current generation of lighting tech and reflections, even without ray tracing. Like, that's all uh, horror gaming Candyland, and it's hard to make a horror game that's gonna make money. Which is why Resident Evil is in a nicely positioned place every time to be like, oh, it's short and it's cinematic. Yeah, well, it's Resident Evil, so I'm buying it. Like, they can mm-hmm. do that in ways that other companies can't. Yeah. And well, now he doesn't give a crap about Silent Hill, so somebody's got to do it. But yeah. but here's hoping they don't like you know farm these games out too too much like they got to put the love and the care for to, to each one of these they're such special games that um i don't want them just machining these re-releases uh you know if, if they do do the resident evil 4 i really hope that there was a lot of love and and care put into that because i mean i would here's what i would say Res, uh, resident evil 3 was the worst of a very good line of capcom games yeah, i feel that's like, true you know ever since lost planet 3 i feel like capcom has been careful Mm. all in all like there's obviously people have beef with specific things like marvel versus capcom ultimate but ultimately Uh, infinite infinite yeah infinite's really bad but i'm just saying in general for a triple a japanese company i'd say capcom has generally been holding on to a pretty solid standard over the past you know seven years we 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 saw the dark dark era of capcom i feel like from like 2010 up until like i would say like 2016 2017 where they finally started to release some good titles we're slowly seeing the revival uh, of Capcom with Monster Hunter. You think of Devil May Cry, you think of Resident Evil, what they're doing. Like, I'm, I'm so happy that we're now in a timeline where, you know, Capcom is is stepping up again because, you know, they were focused on mobile games seven, eight years know. ago. And we can't yeah. forget that. And, and to Never be real, this is, this is probably not happening this year. This year will be Village. Uh, and then yes. next year will probably be. But yeah, part know. of this. A man can dream. Mike. Yeah, this is the dreams. And, and part of it is like we're going to get info. Um, but God of War, uh, Ragnarok is. is the next one. Is, they, did, they said it's going to be 2021. Bear, this was on your list. I put it in my list okay. of games that are coming out because that's what Sony said. But I don't think it's coming out this year. <laughs> Fingers crossed. In 2018, Sony Santa, Santa Monica and Corey Balrog and his team, they just. They just killed it you know yeah. they crushed it they they took the franchise in a direction where we didn't expect but it's where the franchise needed to go i mean i adore the original god of war games but after seven of those uh you know with the spin-offs included it, it needed to go to a new direction it totally. needed to to change things up and man did god of war deliver one of the best games if i was a uh, you know really humanized kratos it just it made us feel for the character like we never had before. But if I was a betting man, probably early 2022. But I mean, it's slated for this year, so a man can dream. I mean, yeah, the, it, the short, it'd be weird version. if Horizon and God of War both ended up this year. But yeah. what a year for Sony if they do. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm not. I, it's not outside the realm that they would do both. But my feeling is God of War 2 would be, or I'm sorry, Ragnarok would be a perfect opportunity to do that sequel thing. We've all written the line of like plenty of stuff that builds upon the original foundation and sets it like God of War as a remake was trying stuff out without ticking off the fan base. Right. And now that they've established that we were on board, that is full steam ahead. You've got the green card to just do that specific stuff. Which is, you- which is kill Kratos. Every, yeah. We, we all. <laughs> No, we all know where that's going. Yeah. 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 They're gonna it, Logan it. Don't say it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Absolutely. All right, uh, Sam, you have two racing games in at number six. I'm lumping these together because I don't know that either or both are going to come out, but I, it sounds like uh, for, the next Forza and the next Gran Turismo are slated to come up pretty soon for both Series X and PlayStation 5. This is Gran Turismo footage we're looking at right now. It's gorgeous. And what I really believe is that both are going to be, they're going to be opportunities for both platforms to make a statement about what they are as community networked games. Now, I think this is a huge one for Forza, Turn 10, and Microsoft because years ago, Forza, Forza Motorsport X was the rumored release. It was going to be a game as a service like League of Legends where you get certain cars. Uh, this is, this is, I heard this from people who knew. The plan was League of Legends style, certain cars would unlock for free and other ones you had to pay to unlock permanently. They scrapped this. I think that was a good idea to scrap it. But they definitely have a world where Game Pass and Flight Simulator both exist. And Flight Simulator is a 10-year project. That's right. what they've been saying. They keep on building on it. They keep on adding content. They keep on refining. Who's to say the next Forza doesn't also go across the entire globe? There's or no number also, eight on the title. It's just Forza Motorsport. There's no, there, that, that is still up in the air. And because we've seen those aspirations from the two things I mentioned, I do believe this could be huge. While uh, Forza, I'm sorry, Gran Turismo, on the other hand, I think really just wants to get past what sport was. I think people look at sport and there's hardcore people who look at it as a true esports game and did what it needed to do but i think they really want to capture the original feeling that has been captured in a while that anyone can become a pro car lover grand tree or grand Turismo has always been a little bit better at that than forza when they nail it and playstation 5 with the power it's got could truly just sell the sex appeal alone and get more people on board as opposed to the folks who like tune into twitch and watch esports racing on sundays like that's that that i think i think that they have a chance to make it so authoritative that everyone drools and says i want in so i'm really interested to see that battle it's going to be an interesting battle this year Number five is uh, Metroid 4, and uh, I think that this is on everybody's list. It was 2019 when they announced that this was coming, and then about a year later they said, well, it was it's not working out. We're going somewhere else now. So uh, it's been in development for a while, and it's, it's back at retro. Uh, I think at the very least we're going to see something on this. This would be an incredible game to launch a new revision of the Nintendo Switch, um, but presumably Zelda might fit that slot as well. So that's in at number five. I think you guys probably are all anticipating something for 2021 with that one. Oh, I'm, I'm not so optimistic. Yeah. I wonder how long it's going to take. Maybe not uh, for 2021, yeah. <laughs> but it's, I mean, we could dream, but I would say... I I'm mean, dreaming. The game, the, the game clearly is in some development issues, but I'm glad Nintendo took that stand and said, hey, it's not where we want it to be. Let's let's improve on it and, and make something special here because this is an or, important franchise. Or maybe maybe just I don't know you know burn it down and just build a side scrolling Metroid. I, oh that's, man, that's, that's just me. If you say other M, I'm getting off this call. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he said the word other. You don't, you don't put Metroid in the word other. <laughs> Mike, you have Dragon Age Four on uh, number on this four. List. Dragon Age Four. That's right. Yeah. No, it's just look. Bioware needs a rehab. This is it. Yeah. This is the chance. They, they, they have another Dragon Age. They have another Mass Effect. You don't need to do a lot. You don't need to build a sprawling uh, galaxy of 20 planets or 50 planets to visit. Look, just make me a good story with interesting characters. That's it. You don't have to go crazy. All we want 
is another Dragon Age. Well, I'm sorry, I was talking Mass Effect there, but for Dragon <laughs> Age, even the same. Like, I don't need like same, yeah. the huge hinterlands. If you can build that and still give me a good story and good characters, fine. But all I need is a good RPG, Bioware. That's it. That, do- that doesn't yeah. sound anything like Anthem 2.0. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Yeah, they are not supposed to bring up Anthem. That's a forgotten franchise. No, I know. I mean, Dragon Age 4 is, is one of those things where you can follow a formula and give a good story. That's a great path for Bioware and EA to get something up that makes people happy again. Like they can they could do it. Now, I'm not saying it's like that easy, but it's believable. But like like Baldur's Gate 3 is it's not like completely like tearing down RPG uh, and innovating. It's like it's just a very good game with good characters that's it that's all people want Uh, sam you had a on this list you had a new ip for so we've been talking we've been talking about nintendo you've got one more nintendo thing to bring up i wonder what it could be yeah my real belief is because switch pro has been bubbling and because 2020 was quiet it is time for nintendo to drop something in a mid-tier new ip way Mm. like splatoon did back in the day or arms Uh, the underappreciated arms arms. like it is it is time in terms of their release cadence to just drop some sort of what and that's what i love from nintendo is that they've got enough success they've got enough room they're still like i said they're still selling Mario Kart 8 forever and that's Animal Crossing like, forever. It's, yeah, it's just yeah. an unlimited little barrel of experimental cash. So I truly believe that this is the year where we get that next what? Now, is it going to be some sort of local party thing? Is it going to be some sort of cute adventure? Are we going back into Shigeru Miyamoto's backyard to see what he's gardening with? I don't know, but I really do uh, get hopeful that this is something where they say, all right. We're going to have a Switch Pro. Let's make it ridiculous. Robots, shiny reflections. I think it's going like to be a- tied to the theme park, brother. I think they're going to do something that's that's very much analogous to your play experience that you're going to have when you go to the theme park. Which is you No, know, see, th- I'm going to, I'll, I'll just really quickly, I disagree because the theme park is about existing IP only. They snuck in Pikmin as like an Easter egg as part of it. That's like how rigid it is. Okay. And I know it's, things it's like about 90% Switch... Mario, right? Like it's... everything I've seen of it is yeah. just all Mario. And they have a Donkey Kong land coming later. Like they're sticking yeah. to that. So I really wow. do believe it's going to be a zag, not a zig on top of that. Like, cause they're good. They're good on Mario. They're good on Zelda. They're good on the things that we love. They're selling the merchandise. If you didn't notice on my body. Yeah. So I do believe this is the time for them to go. Okay. Arms is dead. Splatoon is kind of dead. What's that whack? thing and i think it's gonna be some sort of single player or two-player co-op sort of thing a mario and luigi style thing where two people sitting on the couch can explore and get lost together that is my that but is we my don't know what it is I, I mean well, we don't th- that that is so incredibly exciting just the idea that they're gonna have i mean they have the resources and the wherewithal to do that and i i would totally love that uh but yes number one is the very predictable uh um, I'm just going to turn down the... Oh, no, it's down. Uh, very predictable the sequel to <laughs> Legend of Zelda, Breath of the Wild. Um, we don't know if it's coming this year. I had a lot of people uh, sort of wondering why I didn't put this into my 21 games that I was looking forward to in 2021. I think this is still a dream. I think that it's very possible it's coming out this year. They showed it a couple of years ago. And if they are launching a new system, this is the game that they should launch it with. They had so much yeah. success with Breath 1 on uh, launching the Switch. This will conceivably run on on base Switches as well. Um, and they can do that hybrid kind of release thing that they did with the Wii U and the Switch all over again 
and you'll get a an improved experience if you play it on a new Switch. But God, this game looks absolutely stunning. Well, I mean, the beauty of it is that they get to build on the existing engine, which they already did yep. with the Musu game last yep. year to some extent. So that gives them room to even during development hell of the pandemic to get something moving again and across this year's finish line. So yes. I do believe out of everything from Nintendo, it is the most likely thing not only to come out, but to also just out of nowhere, we're going to get the release date and the completely put together trailer. And it'll be the only thing we talk about for like the full week after they show it off. Like, I truly believe that this is the neatly packaged thing that's the exact opposite of what I just said. And which gives, that's why both of those things could exist. Brand new IP and just Zelda 2 or Breath of the Wild 2 in a nice box. It's such a good game, that first game, that as as cool as Immortals was, it had cast such a massive shadow over it. I just couldn't lose myself in Immortals. It's a really good, fun game, but it's so much in the style of uh breath of the Immortals wild is very game game like it, this is a game like yeah it's just fun ps2 ps3 era like this is a game yeah that you're playing and, and I, I enjoyed it I, I love the hell out of it but it is not like immersion so to speak it is yeah. very much like yes. let's play this let's do some puzzles when yeah. i played it i kept thinking that everyone working on breath of the wild 2 just would laugh as they played it. I just think it just made them giggle and laugh and be like, oh, they this think so that cute. this is... Right, because they, they, I just truly believe that they can take the existing system and add a couple of really interesting, this is what Nintendo would do with an open world now that we've done it, yeah. and just really nail it. And, uh, yeah. I, I think awesome. Breath of the Wild 2 will probably Majora's Mask it. Like, they showed the thing with the tombs. Mm. I think this is probably going to be a little bit scarier and a little bit weirder because the like, kids that got on board with the last one are a few years older now right and, and, <laughs> yeah. and also they're and like like that's still selling like breath yeah. of the wild is still selling it, so as it like, should it's my favorite man, game i booted it in it, i booted it in simu which is a wii u emulator and i'm playing that at 60 frames a second and wow. going back through and loving it again which is part of why i'm excited about a certain possible new switch piece of hardware so I, like i'm sure it's gonna happen yeah we have one more uh, hardware thing i wanted to drop this in um it's the analog pocket you had it on your sort of maybe list it is coming out this year um, and uh, this is an incredible piece of tech, especially for us collectors out there. You, you can play all, almost all your old classic cartridge library on it. I'll say really quickly, the FPGA machine emulation world is bubbling up in a big way. So you could get a mister and you could contrapt it about and install things and get old game systems running in a really cool way in HDTVs. But this is the first part of that whole new explosion that is portable exclusive, that is about putting it in your hand, comfortable controls, really nice display with a super pixel rich, pixel rich uh, display. Like it is designed. So whatever resolution you throw at it, you will get crisp integers, integer scaling. Like that matters for that kind of nerdy play. It looks wonderful. And then once it's out, probably going to get even more crazy additions to it than you might expect because of the community because of jailbreaking but even if it's just plug in your old game boy and game gear and neo geo pocket cartridges uh and turbo graphics cartridges that's good enough for me uh, and, and atari links man i can't believe it you know i i, I uh, want to play some of those old cars. i have those it's the same man thing with the, uh... i think all of us should do an eight player links off whenever we can hang out again <laughs> that's that's my feeling todd's adventures in slime world I think that'd be wonderful. Uh, Gentlemen, thank you so much. This was a a, a lot of fun, as I knew it would be, to start off a new year of Vic's Basement. I'm absolutely going to be reaching out to all of you to bring you back. Uh, But Uh thank you. 
Um, uh, you guys were wonderful. Thank you for your commentary and thank you for being here. And uh, all the best to all of you. In Absolutely. This, this good year. I saw the Every news. Donald Everybody Trump has kicked off Twitter. That's good. Hooray! <laughs> hey, anybody listening in the future, we can hear the excitement in our voices because who knows what happens tomorrow, but we'll take today. I just want to say to everyone in chat and everyone who watches on VOD, yeah. I think all of our information on finding us and telling us how right or wrong we are, let us know and be polite about it. I'd love to talk to all y'all and thanks for hanging out. Yeah, yeah you, you definitely seem like a like a, a good sort. I've been watching them in the in the chat. You guys seem like a this like is a the very best chat sort. on the on the web. Yeah. I am just very knowledgeable. Definitely some some great games that they've brought up that we they know. always yeah. There they, was it, talks they, about F Zero. I wanted to scream, but you guys were chat talking. Good, good oh, chat, yes. good chat. F Zero right is dead. <laughs> let's let's uh, dead. let's make this a part <laughs> one. We can we can come back. At, you know, part in a month two or is two. me yelling at Mike for an hour after what he just said. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for watching, everybody. Thank you for being here, guys. Guys, we will see you soon, and until then, play forever.